Welcome to the City Church Sermon Podcast. City Church is a new church located in the city of Frisco, Texas, just north of Dallas. Our hope and prayer is that the following message can serve as an encouragement and as a blessing and inspiration in your walk with Christ. If you have any questions about City Church and want more information about us or you want to visit during one of our Sunday celebrations, please visit us online at citychurchfrisco.org or email us at hello at citychurchfrisco.org. If you would like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at citychurchfrisco.org slash give. Thank you for listening. Let's pray. Father, we come before your presence. Lord, I thank you, Jesus, for everything you're doing. I ask you, God, that as moment, this moment, as we study your word and as you speak to us, God, that our hearts would be open, that our minds would be receptive, Lord, to, your, to what you have to tell us today, Lord, that we can understand what your word says and that we can understand, God, the direction that you want our life to go in. I thank you, Lord, for City Church. I thank you for every person that's here. I ask you, God, that you will bless them. And I ask you, God, that you will bless the families. And I would ask you, Lord Jesus, that this year, as we move forward, that you, Lord Jesus, would direct our path. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Give God a hand praise once again. And you may be seated. I don't know if this happens to you, but it happens to me. I've gone out to eat, and I think we all like to go out to eat, right? Nobody likes to go. <laughs> Nobody likes to cook at home and then do the cleanup and everything, right? But I don't know. Maybe this is something that's just for me that happens with me. But I've gone to places to go eat, and we may be in a group. It may be a group of five, ten people, or it may just be my wife and I. But for some reason, this happens regularly to me. Uh, we go out. And we, and particularly, particularly in new places that we've never gone to, and we are we are studying the menu as if it's a rocket manual, trying to figure out just exactly what we're gonna order, and we ask each other, "Are what are you gonna get? What are you gonna get? What are you gonna get?" Now it has no pictures. I can't tell what to get because it's a big decision. Amen. And we're trying to decide with the information that's present, what the description says, we're trying to decide what we're going to order, right? And we finally, we even asked the waiter, what is your recommendation? What do you like? What do you think about this? Well, I've never had it, but I recommend this. Well, I don't even like seafood. And all these, there's so much conflict when we go out to eat. Amen. And we eat and we, 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 we finally decide on something. We pick something. We, we are very tentative and we are not sure, but we finally pull the trigger on it and we order it. And we're just hoping it's going to be good, right? And, and, and then what happens is the waiter starts coming out with the food. Brings out the, the food, starts setting it on people's tables. And you get yours and you look at it and you're like... Oh, yeah, that looks, that looks good. But I don't know if this has happened to you. You're looking at your food, then all of a sudden you look at your neighbors. <laughs> then you look across. Oh. I mean, it's not that yours is bad. It's not that yours is not attractive. It's not that yours doesn't, it's probably going to taste good. Uh, but when you look at your neighbors and you look across the table, for some reason, everybody else always makes a better choice. Rarely do I make the good choice when it comes to this. 
And I'm just looking, pray for me, feeling envious. So the Lord says, don't, be, don't envy your neighbor. I'm like, you know, I'm envying that food. Pray, pray, Lord Jesus, release me, help me, God. Better. Man, that looks so much better. But isn't life made up of choices? And isn't life a series of, of lanes that we're going through? And we're constantly coming to forks in the road. We're constantly coming to, to, to whys in the road. And we're constantly having to make choices as to where our life is headed. And the big idea of this new sermon series that we're calling Better is that the good is the enemy of the better. I ordered something good. I'm sure it's going to taste fine. I'm sure that I'm going to get the nutrition that I'm going to need from it and even more than what I need. And I'm sure that that... At the end, I'm going to live just fine. But there are better choices that I could have made. And I'm not talking now just about a choice from a menu at the restaurant. There are better choices that I could make when it comes to my marriage. There are better choices that I can make when it comes to my parenting. There are better choices that I can make when it comes to relationships outside of my home. There are better choices that I can make when it comes to my relationship with God. And every day, church, we are faced and we have to confront decisions that you and I make. And the I'm not going to say the sad thing, but we've been conditioned to, to, to live in a state of mind that we sometimes just make choices without even thinking about what the consequence of that choice may be. And I'm not talking about the consequence in that moment. I'm talking about the consequence five months down the road, one year from the road, down the road, two years, five years, ten years. That word that maybe you should have held within your heart. Maybe that look that you gave that person that you shouldn't have looked at. Whatever decision it was, you're not thinking at that moment about what may happen five years from now. Ten years from now. But there are, there are better choices. And the good is the enemy of the better. The good is the enemy of the exceptional. The good is the better, is the enemy of the excellent. You know, we, we have a good worship team. Uh, dare I say we have a great worship team. But if Brother Paul one day shows up and says, you know what, we, we've done enough. We're, we've arrived. There's no more to do. We'll just keep singing the same songs over and over. There's nothing else that I need to strive for. There's nothing else to push for. And then we, we settle in our lives. We settle in what we know. And we get comfortable within the good. When there's much more that we could choose in our lives. The good is the enemy of the better. So the question we must ask ourselves throughout this series 
is what, where are we compromising the better things in our lives and settling for good things? And this is not to say that, that, that maybe this sermon series will be a little bit different because I'm not necessarily going to be saying, hey, you're doing this wrong, you're doing this bad, or you're, you need to change this because of this or because of the sins or anything. What I'm saying is that you and I, we have routines, we have things that we do that are not bad, they're good. But if we were talking the past weekend about moving forward and that there's a new level for our lives, then that we got to strive for better than good. We got to strive for the excellent in our life. And over the next few weeks, we'll be looking at several things which I believe we tend to choose things that we may consider to be good and we forego the better things for our life. And today, we will be speaking from the subject of, as we were singing, one day is better. One day is better. As I was thinking of this, I was thinking about days and I was thinking about things that we look forward to. I was remembering, have you ever planned something and you're so excited for that? Whatever it is, whether it was an event, maybe it was a concert, maybe it was a, 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 a vacation, whatever it was. And you've been planning it and you were just ready to go. And there's such an anticipation building up with you. You haven't had a day off in what seems like four or five months. And you're just ready. You're anticipating. You're full of, of expectation of all the rest you're going to have during the vacation. You're, you're, you're excited for the experience that you're going to have at that event that you're going to. And there's an anticipation within your heart. And I was remembering when I was 14 years old, um, I was a student, I was a, a, probably a freshman, I believe, in high school, and I remember that this was going to be the first time we had set a date, that this was going to be the first time that I got to go to Six Flags without, without my parents and with some friends and some students from the church. Man, was I looking for. So there's 14-year-old Daniel counting down the days, making sure dad's giving me the money. I'm taking care of the money because I couldn't pay for it. I needed dad. Dad, I also need money for the food. And I had everything ready to go. And I remember the day arrived, there was going to be a Saturday. And I showed up at church because that's where we were going to meet to take off. That was going to be the launching point for this exciting day in my life. And I get to the church. And keep in mind, I'm, I'm the pastor's son. I'm, I'm so excited. I, I, I wasn't leading anything. I was just part of the gang. I was just a part of the group. And, and I'm there. I'm anticipating. I'm full of anticipation. And, and wouldn't you know it that as soon as I get there, I get the onset of a migraine headache. I've suffered with migraines since I was in middle school. And if there was anything that could ruin my day that day, after so much anticipation, so much buildup, I was looking forward to this. I was like, why, God? I was looking for the oil. Somebody pray for me. Anoint me. Help me. I want to go to Six Flags. Because there was some anticipation built up. There was an excitement built up. And something had come along that was going to be a roadblock for my fulfillment 
that day. And as great as this would have been for me to go, I didn't go. Uh, yeah. I'm still traumatized. I didn't go, and I remember that everybody, yeah, they gave me a sad look, but then they turned away and they'd be happy again, and yeah, we're going. I remember being left at the church because I had been dropped off. And I'm the pastor's son. Ah, we'll just leave him there in the church. He basically lives here. And I remember laying down in my dad's office on the couch that he had there. And I remember just feeling sorry for myself. I was 14 years old. I wanted to go. I was sad. I was, my day had been ruined. And then as the migraine got more intense, obviously the Six Flags thing, I forgot about all that. And now all I could concentrate was on the pain. But as great as it would have been that day to go to Six Flags, and as great as my fulfillment would have been, because we've all been fulfilled in certain things. I mean, I've been to Six Flags many times after that. And we've all been to many vacations. And we can rank the best vacations we've had, the best cruises we've had, the best concerts we've been to. And they've all been great and wonderful experiences. There's no doubt about it because we carry that memory within our lives, within our hearts. But the Bible teaches us that it doesn't matter how many days you may live on this earth. That as long as you have one day in the presence of God, that is way much more greater than 10,000 days outside of God's presence. Out of God's courts. And in fact, it says it will far exceed all of our days in one day. One day for one moment. I would dare say one second where we truly connect with the heart of God in our lives. It over exceeds, it blows out of the water any experience you've had in your life. Yet at times, church, we, we seem to make choices in which we settle for days Without God, without seeking God, without, without searching for God. And, and we trade those days, we trade those moments, we trade those times for something different altogether. And, and our reasons can vary. We can have different reasons and we can have different things in our hearts. And we can say, well, it's because there's not enough time in the day for me to set aside time to pray uh, maybe maybe life has hit you so hard and it's been really hard to get close to God or maybe some of us here are struggling with our faith maybe some of us here feel agnostic towards God and not too sure about all this God stuff that the pastor yells about all the time I'm not sure and we can come up with our reasons as to why we don't connect with God day in and day out. But see, the Bible teaches us in Psalms chapter 84, verse 1. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to open it to them. You can pretty much go to the middle of the book and it'll be in Psalms and then you just find 84. Psalm chapter 84 Verse 1. How many of you have it? Amen. The word of God says, How lovely 
is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. If you jump down to verse 10 with me. Better, everyone say better. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. If you have a pencil, if you have a pen, circle better. Make it, highlight it, underline it, circle it, put a star beside it. This is the theme that we're looking at these next four weeks. Better, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. The psalmist goes on to say, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. As I was looking at this psalm and as I was trying to, you know, studying it and researching it, uh, one of the things I kept coming across was that when the Bible speaks on courts, the courts that are, uh, that are mentioned in the Bible are a representation of the presence of the Lord. So when, when the psalmist is saying in, in, in verse 1 and 2 that my soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. The courts, we all know what a court is, what a courtyard is. It is the outer part. It may be enclosed, but it's the outer part of either a building, a structure, or, or, or something you're going into. But when the Bible speaks of courts, it says that God's presence is within the courts of the temple, within the courts of whatever it is you're approaching towards God, and that his courts are filled with his presence. And he goes on to say that better is one day in your courts, not even inside the temple, as long as I can get into where the court area is, as long as I can get to the parking lot of the church, as long as I can be close to where you are, that, that is better, better than any concert, better than any event, better than any, any trip to an amusement park, better than any trip to the beach, better than any, um, any vacation, better is one day in the outer part of your temple where your presence is there, better is that than a thousand days elsewhere. That I would rather be a doorkeeper. Even if I'm just at the door, God, let me be close to your presence. Let me be close to where you are. I just need a moment. I just need a second. I just need to be where your warmth is. I just need to be where your love is, God, because better is one day. Better is one day. It reminds me if you're if you've read this story, this, the Bible says, it tells us of a, of a woman who had suffered through the problem of bleeding for many years. She'd gone to doctors. She'd gone, uh, she tried everything. She went on the Dr. Phil show. She went to the Dr. Oz show. And she tried to figure out what the problem is. I don't know what the problem is. And then one day, she heard that there is a man by the name of Jesus in Jerusalem. And that he can do healings. And he can do wonders and she came and she searched and she looked and she saw him
him. But there was a crowd separating her from Jesus. And the Bible says that she spoke to herself. You guys, it's okay to talk to yourselves at times. It doesn't matter what people think. You're crazy. Talk to yourself. Encourage yourself. She says she spoke to herself. And she said, if only, if only I could touch the hem of his garment, then I can be healed. I don't even need to have a face-to-face encounter with him. I don't even need him to address me. I just need to touch a little bit of his presence. I just need to be where he's at. And then God can do the miracle that I'm asking for. God can heal my family. God can heal my life. I just need to be in his presence. Peter states this as well. God, Jesus has gone through a very difficult moment in his ministry. The Bible says that a lot of the people that were following him decided to stop following Jesus. That's why we shouldn't be surprised when there are people that fall away from the faith. Because if people could leave Jesus, people will leave us also. That they walked away, they turned their backs on Jesus and Jesus in a moment of humanity, I believe. In a moment of pain, in a moment of feeling that rejection, he turns around and looks at his disciples and says, What are you guys going to do? Are you going to leave as well? Peter turns, looks at the master, and he declares with boldness. And I think that this is what you and I need in our lives because I believe that sometimes Jesus turns and looks at us and looks at our lives and he asks us directly, what about you, son? What about you, daughter? Will you leave? Is your faith lacking? Are there other things in life that are more important than the calling that I put in your life? Because people will leave church. People will chase after material things. People will chase after the desires of their hearts. People will have moments when they're weak. People will have moments in which their faith wavers. And the question will always come back to us. What about you? What are you going to do? And the Bible tells us that that Peter speaks up and declares with boldness, Lord, to whom shall I go? You have the words of eternal life. Church, can we be a church that declares with all our hearts, Lord, we have nowhere to turn. We have no life outside of you. There is nothing that we desire more than you because better is one day. There is a sense in our lives in which God, God's presence seems to not be with us always. For this reason, the Bible continuously gives the call. It speaks out and says, seek the Lord. Seek his presence continually. 
Because God's presence is not our constant experience. We have too much outside noise, too many voices speaking into our lives, too many negative people in our lives, too many negative images in our hearts. Negative, you turn on the news and you go, you're wanting to go to work, but you hear about the homicide and you hear about the death and you hear about the, the rumors of war and you hear about the corruption that is in our government officials. And you expect to go to work and be happy-go-lucky? God's presence is not our constant experience. There are seasons when we, when we become neglectful of God and give Him no thought throughout the day. There are moments in our lives in which we don't put our trust in him. And when we do face those forks in the road, and one choice we know will lead to what is right according to God's word, and, and the other choice, hey, you're bending, maybe, maybe compromising in certain things in your spiritual life, but it's still not bad. I mean, it's going to be all right. Things are going to work out, and God will forgive me. And we look to the things that are good, but we forego the better. And the obedience that is found when we obey God's word. There are seasons when we give no thought. We don't put our trust and we find him missing in our lives. As if, as if God could be missing and be put on the back of a milk carton. Missing. Jesus, 33-year-old from Nazareth, if found, please call. This is, this is something where we get to a state in our lives where Jesus is unperceived in our lives. We get to a state of living where uh, the busyness and the hurriedness of life uh, takes us away. The currents of society takes us away from what God has called us to be. But God continues to call us to seek him. So what does it mean to seek God? What does it mean when the Bible says seek God? Search for God. This idea of a continual seeking of God. Well, both the Old Testament and the New Testament, they say it's a setting of the mind and the heart on God. And it's not up here, but if you want to write it down, 1 Chronicles chapter 22, verse 19, it says, Now set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord your God. Colossians chapter 3 verse 1 and 2 says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated on the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. So when the Bible speaks of seeking God, it's saying that seeking God is the conscious focusing of our mind's attention and our heart's affection on God. When we seek God, we are making a conscious decision. We are focusing what we are, who we are, what's within us to look at God. In other words, 
we're making a choice. We're choosing. We're making a decision. That's what it means to seek God. So what does this look like? What does this look like? I, I think I'm going to give you five things. I know we could do, I could do a list of 20 things, but I, I kind of narrowed it down to five things. And I think that when we want to start seeking God, these are some of the things that we need to be aware of. And if you have a pen, you write it down, take a picture, whatever, whatever helps so you can remember this. And I believe that if you and I are going to seek God, the first thing that we got to come to is the realization of who we are and who God is. And we have to have conviction and repentance. Conviction and repentance. Because when we realize who God is, there will be a conviction that comes upon our hearts that will lead to a repentance in our lives. We decide that this is something I need to do. I need to search for God. I need to seek out God. And a repentance means that there is a changing of your mind of where, yeah, I used to think this way, but now my mind has been changed. I used to think Dunkin' Donuts were pretty good. But now I think Krispy Kreme is a bit better. There was a repentance in my heart. I am sorry, Krispy Kreme. Sorry, those of you that are on the Daniels Fest. So there's got to be a, a conviction that this is what I need to do in my life. This is what I need to wake up every morning and, and set my mind, make a decision, make a choice that I will search after God today. And the repentance of the things that have been taking the place of God. And I think that if we have been doing this fast the way that we should be doing it, or that we've been focused on doing a fast... I'm not going to say the way you should. Because I don't want to make anybody feel bad that you're doing it wrong. Because if you're doing something, I think that's a step in the right direction. But you begin to realize that there are things in your life that are really difficult to cut out. Because they're deeply seated within your heart. Whether it's the attention that you seek or that we seek through social media. Whether it's the, the comfort that we find in the foods that we eat. We begin to realize that when we need God, there are things competing for that time that we can give to God. So there's got to be a conviction and a repentance. The second thing is that you, gotta, you have to raise your awareness of God. Oh, that sounds cool. So what does that mean? Raise your awareness. I think that we've all gone through this. You bought a brand new car. Praise God for that new car. Wow, that car looks nice in the dealership. It looks nice in that lot. That color looks really good. I like that. It's pretty unique. I'll probably be the only one driving one like this. I'm making that choice. I'm going to take this one. And then the minute, the minute that you drive out, out of the dealership with your brand new unique car that is, was made specifically for you. What begins to happen? You see it everywhere. And I mean everywhere. I thought that the Dodge Ram I bought 
was the only color like that. I was like, I've never seen one like this. Wow. It's pretty nice. What do you think, babe? How do I look? Does the color suit me? And then I go out and I'm driving, hey, that's my truck. Why? Because we were not aware of that vehicle. We were not aware of that car because there was no importance to us at that moment, at that time. And we have to get to a point in our, in our searching for God, in our seeking for God, where there is a heightened awareness of God in our lives. And we realize the areas in which God has blessed us. We realize that where we are grateful to God. And it may be in the smallest of things. That morning when you hear that alarm clock ring and you get mad and you want to push that snooze button 20 times before you get up and you wake up in a bad mood because you woke up. When you begin to realize that this is a blessing from God that I can open my eyes this morning, that I can breathe in the air this morning, that I can open my eyes and think rationally like a person, you begin to realize, hey, this is a small miracle that just occurred. When you come to church and, and you begin to see the wonderful people that God has connected, to you, connected you to, and you begin to see the love that you feel from them towards you and the love that you have for them, you begin to realize this was not possible unless God was in my life. Amen. This is a miracle in motion. This is a miracle at work. The very simple fact that you're sitting on that chair that you're sitting on today. That you're here because I don't know your story today. But I know that there are challenges when we decide on Sunday morning I'm going to get up and I'm going to church today no matter what. It, it, it ensues and it opens up a war in your family and in your life. It's a miracle that we're here. But so many miracles in our lives, we take them for granted. We, 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 we gloss over them. And we decide that's not worthy of praise. That is not worthy of me recognizing as a God thing. And in fact, while I was kind of doing some of this research, one of the things I came across, one of the articles I read was that in the Hebrew language, which was the original language in which the Bible was written, at least the Old Testament, it says that there is no Hebrew equivalent to the word spiritual. That this is a word that is used in our time, in our context, because you and I, we tend to spiritualize things. But in fact, when the Bible has no mention of something being spiritual or a man being spiritual, or it, 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 what it's saying is that everything that exists in your life, every thought that comes into your mind, everything that comes out of your heart, it is in fact a spirit-born thing. And it can be either a spirit of God or it could be a spirit from the enemy. Everything is spiritual. In our lives. There is not one thing. That is not spiritual. 
the decisions you make. Whether or not to go make another target run that's spiritual. Whether or not you decide to buy that one thing that you don't need anymore. That you don't need. That is spiritual. The third thing that we need to understand or that we need to do if we want to seek God is we need to slow down. Tell your neighbor, slow down. I'll tell your other neighbor, slow down. <laughs> you got to slow down. Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. That there are times when you and I, we need to get alone and just be still with our thoughts. I, I, I get up at, at 5 in the morning and I kind of get ready quickly. And at 5.15, usually I'm, I'm at my couch and I'm on my knees. And as I'm, I'm, I'm trying to begin my prayer, my mind is already racing. It's going 100 miles per hour. Then it takes me a good 2, 3, 4 minutes before I can focus and say, brain Daniel, stop thinking. Stop and slow down. You need to connect with God right now. We need to slow down. We need to slow down. Socrates, the great Greek philosopher, said, Beware the bareness of a busy life. See, busyness is an excuse, church. You make time for the things that are important. Your schedule will reflect what's important in your life. It will reflect your priorities in life. And if we are to seek God, we need to slow down. We need to slow down. The fourth thing, we need to begin to develop spiritual disciplines in our lives. Yes, your pastor is telling you you need to pray. You need to read the Bible. You need to spend time fasting, and not just fasting from food, but fasting from, from, from things that are competing with your time with God. Schedule a time to pray. Don't just pray on your way to work. Don't just pray as you're working. Make time to get onto your knees and bow your head before the Lord and spend time in prayer with Him. Have a plan. The fifth thing. And if I step on your toes, good. Come to church. You cannot miss two, three weeks of church and say, I'm good. My life is good. My spirit is healed. My spirit is close to God. Hebrews 10.25 says, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. Because if you want to be strong in your walk with God, you need this discipline in your life. You need this time. Because it's not just an hour and a half that we spend here. It's the hour before the service that you're getting ready and you're disciplining yourself. You know what? I'm going to go to church. I'm, I'm, I'm getting myself ready. I'm preparing my heart. It's the 30 minutes to an hour to an hour and a half after the service that you take riding home, digesting what God has put in your heart, spending time with the community that God has connected with you, all that. Set 
your mind that Sunday is not your day. It's God's day. It's not the three o'clock service. It's not that it'd be easier at nine. It's not that it'd be easier at 10. It's not that it would be easier at 12. It's that your schedule will reflect your priority. Come to church. Come to church. James chapter 4 verse 8 says, draw near to him and he will draw near to you. And the amazing promise that we find in the word of God is in Jeremiah 29, 13. He says, this is God speaking. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. God can be found. God is available to you. God is available to me. God is available to your family. But it's a question of whether or not you are seeking him. New perspectives of life can be found when you're in his presence. Peace is found in the even, even the most outer court of his presence. There is healing. There is love. Shame is wiped away. Sins are cast out. Sins can be forgiven and our lives can be changed in the presence of God. I'm going to ask you to stand. Will you make a decision this week? Will you make a decision at the beginning of this year? What can you do? Maybe some of you, it's time to be convicted. It's time to repent in your hearts. It's time to say, you know what, God? I'm tired of running from you. I'm tired of fighting against you. It's time for me to come home and to come into your courts. As long as I can hold the door open, as long as I can be just within a reach of your presence, that's what I need. Some of you need to raise your awareness of God. Where have you stopped seeing God in your life? Some of you, we need to sit down and we just need to make a list of all the blessings that God has deposited in your life. Where do you need to slow down? Where are you lacking? Are you lacking in prayer? Are you not reading his word? Are there things you need to cut away from you? Where do you need to make a decision? Because one day is better than 10,000 days away from the house of the Lord.